Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello, and welcome. Today, we're going to be taking our ideas that we have in our book finders keepers and expanding them from the tiny world of the writing community into the larger world of the creative endeavors that we talk about on this program. Before we do that, though, we are going to talk about our creative weeks. So, Joy, what did you do? Well, this week has been busy just like every other week. (laughs) But I did get to spend a little time with my fiction, Um, and I've been revising a short story. I had written this short story kind of on a whim, like trying something new, new genre, all this kind of stuff, and it was a little bit more of the supernatural, kind of uh, southern gothic, if you will, theme going on there, and uh, I had the opportunity to read a more spooky story for my library adult reading night. It'll be the week of Halloween. So I've been working on revising it because when I first wrote this short story about a year ago, I realized I didn't, I didn't really capture the tone of the genre properly. And so that's what I've been working on. So, and my fabulous uh, other critique partner is going to give it a read for me and help me see if I'm on the right track or not. So I'm going to be getting her that tomorrow. So it's been a lot of fun to get back into my own writing. Mm-hmm. 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 Wonderful. Yay. But you did have something to do this week, didn't you? Oh, that's With right. The- yeah. I, had, I did a workshop for my library and that was uh, for writers in the area mm-hmm. for adult writers. And I did prepping for first draft success kind of with the whole NaNoWriMo right around the corner in mind, you know, getting people um, in the mindset of preparing for writing a first draft. And I'll be doing that same um, workshop again next week, but for teens, which is going to be so much fun. I was challenged to do it as like, um, have like a spooky theme to it since it's Halloween month. So that was kind of fun (laughs) to figure out a way to incorporate some um, creepy prompts and stuff like that for the kids. And I'll get to be with the teens again next month for a part two where we talk about actually drafting. So, wow. Yes. So excited about that. So this is a virtual event, right? So anybody anywhere can come into it. That's true. So yeah, I can drop those links below. So yeah. Absolutely. Let's do that because I feel like if there are some moms out there who have teenagers Mm -hmm. who might want to maybe step their toe in or just dive head first, this might be a good place to do that. That's very cost effective because it's It's free. Free. Which (laughs) is why we love our public libraries. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, this is so wonderful, and I'm glad that you shared that with us. Yeah, thanks for asking me about it. So I can't wait to hear about your creative week. 
this has been a fall break for us, for our kids. Um, so it's been a very long time since we've been anywhere as a family, like beyond COVID. It's not just the COVID months that have kept us at home. So we did that for fall break and we took every day, we just did day trips. So we did a day trip on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And everything that we did was educational. And I know that some people are like, I can't believe you did that to your kids, but they had, <laughs> they had such a good time. So the first thing that we did, we went to Jackson to the Jackson, Mississippi to the Mississippi natural science museum and they loved it. Something that I love about the, the natural science museum is that a lot of the exhibits that you see, especially in the fossilized area, it has where it was found in Mississippi. So I thought that was so interesting because you don't think about those kind of creatures walking around where there's like a Walmart today and just marrying the two ideas of the past and the present and how it all works. It was just so cool. So we did that. And then the next day we, we went to Natchez and we went to the Native American Emerald Mound. So it was a place of worship for them. And it was really interesting too, to read about that and to see the kids climb up on this mound that was hand built over a period of hundreds of years. We did walk the Mississippi. We walked on the Bridge of Size, which has a cable that uh, helps you not be able to fall off the bridge. Mm. So on the, on the cables, there are just hundreds of locks that people have mm. put on these cables. And a lot of them have relationship names. So it's, mm. it's like, these are love locks. <laughs> so oh. it's really quite sweet. And, uh, and then like you're, you're seeing all of these locks and you're like, what's going on here? And at the beginning of the bridge where we entered, it says, please do not put locks on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of these people who have locks on there either did it before the sign was put up there or just were completely rebellious as love is. And <laughs> exactly. put their lock on there anyway. And then at the end of the bridge, there was the sign. And I think we might have entered the back way or something like that. But this, there was the sign with the name on it. And it was the Bridge of Size. And I don't, my, my romantic fiction writing heart was all over this. And so I did a pic, a pictorial story and mm-hmm. I put it on my Instagram. So you see all of the, you have some pictures of these locks. And then at the end of it, it has the picture of the sign that says, please do not put the bridge. <laughs> and then and it has at it the end. It is so beautiful. <laughs> all of your pictures were just gorgeous. We'll definitely link below. Y'all have to go check this out. It was, it was, and it, it ended up being a very like story-esque Mm-hmm. slide of, of all of the Instagram pictures and Orna Ross actually commented on it. Like, this is a beautiful story. And then I was like, Oh, it is very story. Like, so I didn't even recognize that until Orna pointed it out. <laughs> so thank you, like, Orna. <laughs> thank you. So we did that. And then we, uh, the next day we went to the aquarium and I watched my son face his fear and actually touch a stingray. So I got to see him be brave. That's an amazing thing to see. He's like just young courage And then the next day we went to Folsom, Louisiana, and I was in St. Tammany Parish, and I did not realize that Folsom was in St. Tammany Parish. She was in my backyard. I'm so sorry. I I didn't know. You know that I have problems with understanding where I am on this earth sometimes. So really sorry about that, Joy. It's Um, all good. It's all good. 
So we went to the Global Wildlife Center in Folsom, Louisiana, and just I saw bison that were so tall and their heads are so huge. And somehow they are like childlike to me because we were feeding them and it almost looked like they were like suckling a ball. And there's like, so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you're just a baby. And I'm like, (laughs) get to pet the bison and the giraffe. We got to love on some giraffes and some huge bulls and llamas. And we saw tons of deer and all different varieties and breeds. It's just a really wonderful place. And so basically my creative week is just that I got to see and have my mind blown by the world and all of the wonderful creatures and cultures in it. And I know that that sparks so much creativity and creative thought and all of those things in you. Yeah, it did. And actually, when I was getting ready to go the very first day that we were moving out, I had this really, what I think is a great idea for a series of books. And so on the way, it was like a two hour drive on the way there. And the whole, almost the whole time I'm like typing into my phone, all of these ideas about the books. (laughs) And I've got like three books. I put book ideas planned in the series now. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think brainstorming is one of the most fun parts of the whole it's, thing. It just it's is. so much fun. It's like playground time. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wonderful. <laughs> so tonight we are going to talk about, so, oh, let me let me just back up for just a second. <laughs> Julie and I wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's this thing. It's out. It's there. It's in the world. <laughs> yes, and you can get it on Amazon, Books a Million, anywhere you want to get it, basically. You can get it. But it's, it's called Finders Keepers, and it's a practical approach to find and keep your writing critique partner. But we were doing a talk about critique partners with the, the Writer's Mom Inc. group. And after we got through talking there, we just kind of decompressed the event and had an interesting idea as we decompressed. It was like, why can't we expand this from the writing community to the creative community like our podcast is? So we got to looking at our book and the different parts of it. And we were like, yes, we can totally do this. Really focus on creatives as a group rather than just one particular medium. So that's what we want to start doing today. (laughs) We are so excited about this. We decided to do a six-part series and because there are six parts to our book. So buckle in because this is going to be a great, we think, a great series for you guys. We hope that you'll oh, no, get a lot of it. it's going to be. And if, and if it's not a great series, don't tell us. <laughs> Just kidding. We want to know. We really do. Critique. We can, we can handle critique. critique. <laughs> Look at what you did there. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And so the first episode that we're going to, we're going to focus on, uh, defining the critique relationship. So throughout the series, we share with you like different definitions that we made up that best fit our experience as critique partners. And our experience is that when we became critique partners, there wasn't a lot of really good, tidy information for us out there for us to really lean into. And so I love how Joy puts it in the book. She says that 
researching critique partnerships, practical applications was like holding a map with destinations, but finding no roads to follow. Isn't that beautiful people? Like she wrote that. I think she did. I don't know. I think you may have written it. (laughs) See, that's the thing, the thing when you write a book together, you don't remember who wrote what, but you're like, oh, that was so good. And you you just can assume that you're complimenting the other one because who knows at this point. (laughs) So since I'm speaking at this point in time, I'm going to say that Joy wrote that (laughs) and I just loved it. I reread that today and I was like, oh, it's so good. So, but that's exactly what it was like. Um, We had really hard time finding out like really good practical ways for us to be able to help each other in our critique partnership. So that's why we wrote the book. Our experience is like we just kind of made it up as we went along and we accidentally got a lot of things right. We got a lot of things wrong too, but we were able to reevaluate those situations and come up with a better process, a better plan. And uh, until we had gotten it, you know, honed in on what was best for us. So the definitions that we have in the book are, we call them QWERTY definitions because we are the QWERTYs and we made them up. (laughs) So so as you create your own experiences, you may want to alter these definitions or you can even develop something completely new apart from the definitions that we give you. That's totally fine with us. Like you're supposed to do that because every critique partnership as you know, every individual is different and every critique partnership will be different. And so you might need something that we don't or vice versa. You know, you might discover something that we didn't even cover because it's not something that even crossed our minds. But the thing is, is that you're thinking and you're, and you're sculpting your partnership the, the way that you need it to be. Very true. So we do want to just share this little thing we have in kind of the front of our book, and it's just a note to our readers, and I think that it applies here too. Understand that the tips and suggestions we make are the ones that have worked for us or for others. So they may or may not fit your situation or style. You should take our critiquing advice piece by piece, try what makes sense, discard what doesn't work for you. I said basically the same thing this week during the workshop about writing in particular. You know, there's so much writing advice out there. And I know that this goes across the board for so many creative mediums. There's a lot of advice, but every creative is an individual, like May said. And so what works for one isn't going to work for the other, but you might find a piece here and a piece there, and you can pull it all together with your own things and make what works for you. So how we defined a writing critique partner is going to be our foundation for how we define a creative critique partner. So let me give you that foundation first. A writing critique partner is a critique partner who should be knowledgeable as a writer and who desires to assist other writers with their works and willingly accepts reciprocation in critique. This creates a harmonious relationship that results in literature superior to what the author alone could provide for the readers. So that's a lot of words. I understand (laughs) that. Uh, But that's going to be our foundation. We're going to now define the creative critique partner and break down that definition for our episode today. So how can this definition be expanded to other creative mediums? Here's what we got for you. A creative critique partner should be knowledgeable and practicing in the creative field, should desire to assist others in that field, and should willingly accept critique from the other partner. 
These factors should create a harmonious relationship that results in a superior end product than what the creative could make alone for his intended audience. Again, a lot of words. So <laughs> let's break this down a little bit so that you guys can have a really good understanding of the definitions that we have here. We're going to build on this foundation in the next five episodes. So it's really important that we get this clear. The first thing that we're going to break down is the phrase knowledgeable and practicing in the creative field. So you, uh, if you choose a partner who is not practicing in the creative field, you're working in the critique partner will not have the craft tools needed in order to help you do your thing better. And, uh, and also it'll be more like you're teaching that person everything that you know, and there's not an equal contribution in the partnership and partner is a really big word in critique partner. So it does need to be reciprocal like that. Oh, also your critique partner will not have the empathy necessary to provide the full respect and honesty needed when critiquing. So Sometimes as onlookers, when we don't have our hands in the dirt, we might have an assumption that is different than the actual reality of things. And so that's why you're looking for somebody who has their hands in the dirt in the same, in the same sand pile that you have your hands in. Okay. So yes, you can have creatives who are in other mediums, appreciate your art, and you can even ask them some questions and, and things as like, as one creative to another, but for somebody that you're going to be working with side by side for a very long time, step by step in your process, then you know how your piece looks at the beginning and how it looks in the next step and how even in the middle, it can still look a little grungy, you know? <laughs> like, but you're, you're also doing layers upon layers upon layers to get you to this end product. And if the person that you're asking for advice from doesn't have that experience in your medium and understands that, oh, this is like at the 75% point, it still looks like just sludge on a canvas or something like that. If they don't understand that, they're going to give you some bad advice. And part of that bad advice might be that they want you to trash it. <laughs> so <laughs> I might not be the best person to, um, to, to take advice from. But somebody who's in the same place as you, who has a pretty good equal amount of knowledge where you guys are working together to learn more things, and maybe they have even a different uh, amount of knowledge in another, in a particular aspect of your creative field, and you have a particular amount of knowledge in a particular aspect of your creative field that might differ from your partner. Those are really good partnerships because yeah. you're learning from each other. They can teach you about their thing. You can teach them about your thing and you're growing together. And what's cool about that is that you're growing together faster than you would by yourself because you didn't have to spend hours and hours and hours researching that particular thing. Yeah. And you might still need to do some research for that particular thing, but it, you'll have really good keywords. You'll have really good specific things that you need to find instead of just Googling <laughs> something <laughs> out there in the void. <laughs> so, true. So, um, so practicing and knowledgeable is so, so yeah. important. 
And, you know, when you were saying this, it made me think about one of the, because uh, we talk about some misconceptions about critique mm. partners in our book. And for writers, you know, we have a lot of different terms. And one of those terms is a beta reader. And there are some people who don't know what the difference is between a beta reader and a critique partner. So when mm. you were talking about this part of our definition, that made me think immediately of beta readers. So mm. beta readers might be other writers, but most of the time they're just people who love to read. So they're that person who loves and appreciates your creative medium, but they're not, like you said, in the dirt, you know, doing it. And so they're perfect for when your piece is almost completely done and you're looking for that reader reaction, you know, but that's not who your critique partner is. So the ones, you know, the people who just appreciate what you've put on the canvas or have written with the notes or whatever your creative medium is, they're not the ones who can give you that step-by-step throughout the entire process of your creative work. So, yeah, yeah I thought very that was good pretty point. cool. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm. All right, so our next part was desire to assist others in that field. We used the word desire and we used the word assist very carefully and intentionally. You have to want to give this assistance. Otherwise, it becomes a chore or something that you just feel like you have to do and you're going to end up not giving your all and you're going to end up not being the most reciprocal of partners. And then assist is also a huge part because you're not there to take over their piece or their work or whatever they're doing. You are there to assist them. And what that looks like is to know your partner well enough to be able to honor their vision while encouraging introspection. Okay. And so what that looks like is, is asking the tough questions. Like, is this really what you want to portray? This is what I'm getting from this. Is this your intent? Could it be more clear? You know, it's asking those questions that are going to make your partner think deeper and fine tune their work while always keeping in mind the vision that that other person has for their work. Yeah. And when we get into the giving the critique part, you'll, you'll find that a lot of critiquing and giving good critique is actually just cultivating the proper question to help the artist dive deeper into their own purposes for the piece so that they can express that a little bit better too in the in product and a good question goes so much further than a good comment because it it grows branches and can hit other things and other aspects of the product that um, the comment might not ever do the next part of the definition is the phrase willingly accept critique from the other partner so this is kind of my thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the soapbox is coming out. <laughs> so if you are considering somebody as a critique partner in your creative endeavor and they are not willing to accept critique from someone else, danger Will Robinson. Like just go the other way because there's something missing. There's something missing that is so crucial in the creative partnership that you, you won't be getting and they won't be giving. The critique partner should accept critique in order to progress his abilities 
and polish his craft. And as a, uh, as a characteristic, this action manifests as an eagerness to learn from the person he respects. So ideally you and your critique partner have this mutual trust and respect. And one person can't be making all of the suggestions or the craft tool or giving the other person the craft tools. There's got to be reciprocation here because if you can't accept a critique, you can't be critiqued and you can't improve. On the other hand, a critique given will come across as condescension if the other person is not receiving a critique from you. And if there's somebody who's not willing to learn, then there's somebody who's not willing to grow. And if you're that person, then we really got to, we got to look inside of ourselves and be very introspective and figure out why we can't trust people, why we can't take critique in a positive way. And those are two things that are really important. If you're going to have a critique partnership, there's got to be trust and respect. And if you don't respect the partner's critique on your piece, then you shouldn't be given a critique to somebody else. Yeah. Is that, is that a little too harsh? Should I? <laughs> no, not at all. That's mm. truth and love. Truth and okay. love. Okay. Good. <laughs> Just one last thing about this topic. <laughs> is that if you choose a partner with this outlook, you're always going to feel inferior and that's never good in a creative endeavor. This attitude also rejects any conversation on craft and that includes your ideas and your suggestions. So your growth is stunted. His growth is stunted. The difference here is that he won't notice, but you will. So you're looking for a brother in this endeavor or a sister in this endeavor. You're looking to have a soldier that will fight alongside you this really hard and good fight. That's the last thing I have to say about that. <laughs> and that was a good last word. Okay. I like it. <laughs> so this leads us right to harmonious relationship. And this is something that we talk a lot about in our book. And this goes for any kind of partnership. You have to have trust and respect. And the foundation for all of this is good communication. And like you were saying, that willingness, that willingness to be open, to listen, to learn. This may take time. It could take a proof of work or a combination. And some of that depends on how your relationship started, you know, how much you know about each other beforehand. Like with May and I, we really, we were, we just kind of had this unicorn relationship to where we had a relationship before we began the critique partnership. And that's not very common. You know, most of the time, this might be something, someone who you've never met in person. Maybe you just met them online and you're a critique partner. And so you might need a little bit of extra, you know, willingness to trust and respect that person. And often that does come through critiquing one another's work, seeing how they respect and handle your work and the, the things that they give to you and how they accept what you present to them as well. And so there you go. Trust and respect. And communication. Mm -hmm. Those three make that harmonious relationship, I think. Definitely. So, so I'm going to give you the next one too, because you have an opportunity to talk about the inklings and I know you love to do that. 
Oh, you're so sweet. See, harmonious relationship. <laughs> so this next part of this is the end product superior to what the creative can make alone. Okay. And this always makes me think of the Inklings, as May said. The Inklings was comprised of a number of writers, but the two that are probably the most famous are C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. And they just happen to be masters of their craft. I'm not at all biased when I say that, um, but when we look at them, <laughs> maybe a little bit, <laughs> but when we look at them, we think, oh, you know, what could they have learned from anyone or, you know, how great were their writings? And I mean, look at how they're still such a huge part of culture today and all of these sorts of things, but they had each other. They critiqued each other's work. And sometimes they did it harshly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I know that there are stories about how Tolkien just kind of ragged on, on Lewis for his lion. You know, <laughs> he, did, he just really did. Um, but the thing is, they also, they made each other better. It was that relationship and that give and take that made their work better and made it really stand the test of time. So... And this comes straight from our book because there's no better way that I could come up with to say it. Good job to both of us on this one. Yeah, we've already done uh, I'm gonna, we've You know what? <laughs> I'm going to give this one to you. You gave me the one earlier, so this is totally you. So here it is. Alone, we might be good. Together, we could be brilliant. Critique partners tell the truth in love to raise each other up. And I think that that's the key there, too, is when you are in this kind of partnership, you're doing it because you want the other person to be the absolute best they can be. And they want the same for you. Ooh, well done. I have some, I have some goosebumps for I that. I do too. <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, goodness. So the final part that we're going to talk about today is the phrase for an audience. And the idea here is that you're cultivating your craft. You're hmm. putting yourself through all of this research and study and practice you are finding someone to to help make it better somebody to help make better but we're doing it for a purpose and that purpose is to share our products with the world and whether that's their family or if it's just their next door neighbor it could just be with the critique partner but sharing the gift of creativity and sharing the gift of your creativity with the products that you made is such a special, special thing. Mm. So to do so most effectively, work should be as polished as possible, both yours and your critique partners. And what the audience can see in this beautiful product that you are giving out to the world is who you are internally as an artist, your heart, your soul, and also your goals mm -hmm. with that piece will be better understood. Your vision for that piece will be better understood by your audience. Mm. So it's just all works together. And the end result is this camaraderie that mm. you have with this other person, with your audience, and this understanding of your piece that is just deeper than you could have had if you would have just done it all by yourself. So I think now that we have our foundation, we've got our definition, um, I think it's time for a challenge. Yeah. Should we tell them what we're going to be talking about next week? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So next week, our topic will be evaluating yourself. Suspense. So you can probably tell that we think highly of the whole critique partnership. We're guessing it produces even more benefits than we've shared just in this little definition. And we have a lot more benefits in our book. But what 
benefits come to your mind? You know, what are some other things that you could think would be um, a good end result from this type of partnership? So this is a challenge that we hope you will return to as you embark on a critique relationship, or even as you're just considering having one. Drop us a line at editorial at logosandmythospress.com and let us know what you discover along the way, because we love to hear from others. I know that there are benefits that we haven't even thought of, and that's actually a pretty exciting thought. It is. And also benefits in other creative mediums that we haven't explored. So that would be so cool to hear how you think a critique partner could benefit Mm -hmm. your medium. So please, please feel free to share. Absolutely. I would love to hear about that. Well, you guys have a fantastic week and we will see you next time. And go make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think pretty writing life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting prettywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.